0: for this I
1: don't
0: know you don't have any warm ups at all mine's like National Lampoon's Van Wilder starring Ryan Reynolds and Tara Reid ha- <laughs> do
1: you do you always do that
0: No. well me and Jacob have taken to starting off every episode with some goofy ass <laughs> I think the last one I did was Great Waldo Pepper <laughs> oh. oh and Pepper has something to say too Pepper's doing her warm ups Yes,
1: yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> I make. I, I don't. This might be a shit
0: show. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what well, it is okay. called the shit show? No, it is actually called. <clears throat> ready? We got the beats, and uh, it's where we discuss teen movies of the '80s and '90s. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side with me, and Pepper apparently Hello. too.
1: Hello. <laughs> We'll, we'll see if she makes any more appearances.
0: Yeah. You know what? We've never discussed this. We're in the entertainment world, sort of. Do you want to go by Mindy or do you go by Melinda?
1: Oh, I don't really like it when people call me Melinda. It just feels too impersonal to... Uh, I
0: don't know. I don't I got, care for it. I got the exact opposite. When people call me Mike, I'm like, no, 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 no. Complete that name! <laughs> Why are we no, doing it? <laughs> it's me? Yeah, I just heard slapping. Uh,
1: I cracked my knuckle. Oh,
0: whoa, you got some loud ass knuckles. Okay, let's see. There. Alright, everybody, so let's actually start this episode of Star Horsing Around. Okay, so this episode we're discussing uh, The Idol Maker and That Thing You Do. Now, if you've seen both movies, You know why they connect. If you haven't, you're probably a little confused. And this isn't what we scheduled. I can't remember what we scheduled. I think we were talking about Fast Times and Clueless. We're going to do that next. But um, I am deeply saddened by the loss of Adam Schlesinger. And it got me listening to a lot of Fountains of Wayne. And I wanted to do That Thing You Do because that's what started his career. Basically, yes, he was on the Dana Carvey Show first. But... Um, he was a music supervisor, I believe, but he got Grammy nominated. And because of the strength from selling that song is how he was able to get Fountains of Wayne on a label. And, you know, wow. mo- most people know him for just Stacy's Mom. But that's yeah. the only, like, I would say top 40 song. But they had a lot of alternative hits. Uh, Radiation Vibe probably being their very first hit. And it's just one of these bands that had a very strong following. We talked about it before a couple years ago with Harvey Danger. They didn't do albums that oh, often, yeah. and they didn't have that much uh, in their catalog. But when they would come out with something, it was great because they took their time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, so if it wasn't, yeah, really... oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: I didn't. I just didn't realize that at all. I, I don't know that much about Fountains of Wayne, and I thought maybe it was just concurrent, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, he was in a band called Ivy. And that's how they kind of had some, you know, they had agents and managers and stuff like that. And when they did the cattle call for the songs for that thing you do, that's when they uh, they, they were able to sell that song. And what fact? What was it called before that? Was it just called The Wonders?
1: The movie?
0: I believe it was called The Wonders. But then when the song was so insanely catchy, is when they changed the title.
1: Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. I uh, there's a lot of facts on IMDb, and I didn't. Re- surprisingly did not read very many of them and usually i do Um, usually i read a top but there's so many i didn't read very very much
0: yeah some some movies have page after page of details and facts and sometimes it repeats itself and gets annoying i feel like someone should be aggregating the imdb a little bit better but um i didn't know until two weeks ago that there was a director's cut of that thing you do and so i had to i guess Mm -hmm. i ponied up the cash and you know what it was worth it It is available on Blu-ray, but it's more expensive on Blu-ray than digital, and you and I were talking about this. This feels like a completely different movie.
1: Well, okay, so I'm going to admit to you at at first, because I've seen it so many times over the years that I I didn't notice at first, but then slowly I was like, wait a minute, I I don't remember that part like, or it's, you know, it was an extended, extended scenes, and thing and it's like, I don't remember, you know, his sister being in so much of it, I don't remember, you know, it, and, and about two-thirds of the way in, I, like, paused it, and I was like, how long is this, and I realized that it was significantly longer than I remembered, and then I was like, Oh well, no wonder this doesn't this doesn't seem so familiar because they definitely put a bunch back in.
0: But
1: yeah. to me, it didn't. I didn't necessarily feel like a whole different movie, but it felt whole.
0: Right, like there's a lot of right. character pieces that it they felt skipped. Complete. Yes. Well, yes. let's talk about the biggest change. Is that um, they add so much more of Charlize Theron because in the original version she's only in it for a few minutes. And this is right.
1: like
0: like twenty extra minutes of her story.
1: There's so there's so much stuff about what is going on with her while he's on tour that it you know in in the movie you know he's this is one of her first movies right or one of her very early ones and um, she's like you know his girlfriend but she's only semi interested in like. How he's spending his time and supporting his band and then she goes to the dentist and basically I mean you assume because it's not they don't really tell you that while he goes off on tour she falls in love with his her dentist and they never really talk to each other again but in this the extended version you see so much more about what she's actually doing and and you see her relationship with the dentist, which I think is kind of, I mean, it doesn't take away anything. It's just sort of fun to see, like, what a lot more people are doing back home while they're touring.
0: Yeah, and I think that's most of what was excised out because, so, yeah. so basically the first 45 minutes are severely truncated. It's almost as if the studio said, hey, uh, we like the movie, but... We need to get to Tom Hanks first, <laughs> as soon as possible, because yeah. he's a selling point. And two, mm-hmm. we want to get to the actual fun stuff. You know, the, the actual getting in on tour and, you know, the old TV shows and stuff like that. So you spend forty five minutes just building the relationship of those characters and, and and establishing where they're going from that point. And then there's just bits yeah. and pieces cut out in, in the, the other two thirds, especially the fact that Am I wrong in that Howie Long, the former football player... Um,
1: yeah.
0: I always saw him on IMDb that he was in this movie, but I never... I was like, he's not in that movie. I've seen that movie more than enough. And didn't realize there was a whole scene cut out towards the end. And is that Tom Hanks' boyfriend? Husband? Or I guess he's going to get married back Oh, then.
1: is that Howie Long? Yeah. You know what? That definitely was not in the original version. Yes, he is his boyfriend.
0: Yeah, so that was cut out, and I thought that was significant to Tom Hanks' character because really, he doesn't have many dimensions in this movie. I mean, no, it's, it, it is an like and. That. It's an and Tom Hanks because he's just kind of bounces in and out as they develop their show right. and, and selling the records and stuff like that. But they cut out that piece of him that's more than just, hey, I'm a salesman for this company.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, well, one of the things that I was fascinated by, which may or may not have been in the original version, but just I just didn't realize, is that Brian Cranston was in this movie and he played like whatever the astronaut or whatever that was on. Um, oh, Neil Armstrong. Neil Neil, Neil Armstrong. When they went when they did their performance on the TV show. Uh
0: huh. Oh, and they cut out the monkey thing too. You know. Did you Did you think that was <laughs> the, the talking monkey stuff?
1: <laughs> oh, the monkey thing was funny too. But I just thought, oh, I, I certainly don't remember Brian Cranston being in this movie. Did you remember that? No,
0: I, I, I someone had um, mentioned it in a podcast a couple years ago when they were talking about this movie. But I was like, Brian Cranston? I don't remember him being. He must have been just bare minimum. Like just Gus,
1: Gus. He's Gus Grissom. I didn't think oh, that Gus, he was Neil. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah. The other thing they cut out is the other musicians that are on tour with them. Because I um, forget, they didn't have other songs. Not really. Um, they're basically just like the way it was. If you've ever seen uh, like La Bamba or a Buddy Holly story, a lot of these acts would be put together. You'd have your headliners, but those headliners would only play like five or six songs. And then you'd have a bunch of other people, and they yeah. would maybe play two songs at most. So they're just performing that thing you do like a hundred times that summer. That's it. No other songs. Yeah. And, and um, so the focus on that, but you, they miss the whole thing where uh, Jimmy is attracted to a, an older singer from a different band, and they spend a lot of time together, and that kind of causes a, a break in the relationship.
1: I, I mean, it happens. It's just, uh, most of the things in this movie, it's it, they were just like extend, extensions, because like in the original version he did kind of talk to her and all this stuff but there was a little bit more scenes where you could see it happening you know and like when um I forget his character he doesn't have a character name that's the thing is um Ethan Embry's character when he kind of like you know falls in love with one of the like do girls and then other group, there's more scenes with them together right, yeah. so you can see it happening. You know it's just everything. There's just a little bit more. Like um um, what's his name? Sketch, whatever his whatever is real uh, guy Patterson, like the main person. And I didn't I don't didn't remember that this was really. Tom everett scott's first movie it is wow Um, i didn't know that i I guess yeah that and um like there's just there's there's more with his family you know um throughout the movie even you know before they get popular but throughout the whole thing where they show his family like watching him on tv and and there's family dinners and you see like his sister and then like the band member who he replaced, you know, uh, that got hurt, he broke his arm, and he replaced him. Um, it was what's his name?
0: Um, Are we talking about Giovanni Ribisi? Whatever.
1: Yes, Giovanni Ribisi. He's like he gets a job gets a job at the store. He hangs out with his family. It's like it's just like a funny dynamic that they they completely swap spots. Um, <laughs>
0: Oh, by the way, you know, there's
1: interesting.
0: in, in the mm-hmm. director's cut, Ethan Embry's character does have a name. It's JB. But for some reason, in the studio, uh, the theatrical cut, it's, he doesn't have a name. They just referred him as the bass player, which is insulting to the character, I believe. Uh, yeah, I don't...
1: I thought that it was... the B- and it was stood for bass player or something. Oh, I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe you're right. Okay, but I just know that when I was reading the credits this time around, that the credits are different, and maybe it does say BP and it doesn't say JD. I I apologize, JP. I mean, um,
1: I don't know. I can't, I, I can't remember that. I just remember there was something weird about that. Uh-huh. It's like why does everyone have a name but him? Even uh, Giovanni Ribisi, who was only in like you know a couple scenes, and was the guy who never got to be in the band his name is Chad <laughs> you know why do yeah. they all get names well I the, um, the one thing I do
0: enjoy know, is that was I, I feel like they should have left in the scene though where he was having a relationship because that was kind of groundbreaking back then it was controversial for someone to have an interracial relationship in 1960 what, it was it 5 is it I 65 66
1: he, he did have a relationship with her it was just it was just only a little bit okay. like there was a lot less, like in the in the you know original cut. Uh, at the theater, they were like flirting, and you know there's definitely stuff going on with them. But in this extended cut, like they you see them like you know, like guy comes to his room and they're clearly you know sleeping together and all this stuff. And um, you know, I don't. I guess it's not that vital to the story, and that's why they cut it. But. Um, Yeah, everything was just, like, in this extended cut, there's just a little bit more of everything. Like, uh, Rita Wilson's character, Marguerite. There's just, like, a lot more substance to her character in this version. Um, I would like to say, too, that I enjoy all the kind of, like, guest appearances kind of in this. Like, Peter. Peter Scolari and, and Chris Isaac and um, Kevin Pollak have some of the like most interesting little you know five minute p- bits like Clint Howard or the whole thing with Clint Howard. Uh, there's a whole entire extra scene with Clint Howard where, where he like calls him back and. He offers them a job and all this stuff. Like, essentially essentially doesn't Guy's whole... Life path change.
0: Oh, it's directly. Yeah, that's a scene that they they almost have. They have to leave that in. They, you can't erase that now because, as far as we know, it just fast forwards to he marries Liv Tyler's character, and uh, you know he becomes a teacher later. But they skip the fact that he clearly had some career in radio as like their jazz specialist.
1: Right. But but. At the end of this one, when they tell everybody is like what happens, yes, he marries Faye, yes, they have kids, but he they live in in LA and he works for the radio. Like, I'm pretty sure they fundamentally changed like the the outcome of his life in that in that end the end descriptor of what happens to them. I could be wrong. But if you put them side by side, I don't think that they're sa- they're the same,
0: yeah, if I remember correctly, it said its did it, well no, I thought they kept the coda part where it was uh you know, they moved up to Washington state and he became a professor of music
1: maybe, but
0: but I might be com- I felt
1: i felt like I felt like there was more. Right. I don't know, I'll go look at and it And I there.
0: also forgot that Ethan Embry's character never does come back and There's no explanation for that too He just never comes back He, co- he goes to the music park mm-hmm. with his friends and then that's it
1: Well, he was supposed to join the Marines
0: Yeah, but not that soon
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, he skipped out like two weeks early Yeah, and I think that he just He missed the implosion of the band
0: yeah I just but I don't uh, know you're right that was interesting because for some reason I thought he came back for the final show not realizing that Wolfman the studio guy was the one who took over at the very end
1: yeah Um. so I don't know if you know this but I did see this movie at the movie theater when it came out like the first
0: day I do remember that actually I don't know the first Uh, day, but I do remember you going to it and telling me how good it was, but I didn't go when it was in theaters. I I waited until video.
1: I'm pretty sure I went, like, the day it opened, because all of my friends were, like, super music people, like, either in band or choir or... Whatever, and so they were all just super into it, so we all went, and it was so great. And you know what's interesting is, yes, this is a fantastic soundtrack, but I think they do a super excellent job of um mm-hmm. You know, how you can go from loving a song and it being so good and so catchy and so amazing and how by the end of the summer, you fucking never want to hear that song again.
0: (laughs) I had it stuck in my head for days. I was singing it for about three or four days after I watched this. And I was like, "Oh, oh, my God. See, that's the thing is a lot of these movies, when they write songs, they're not good. You you if you want us to believe that this song was a hit, you gotta make it a good song. And it's a fifty fifty shot with some of these movies is like, oh, how did this become a hit? This is fucking terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well they did they went about it in the right way then to to get these songs written because I mean, you know, go find some pop musicians and they're gonna help write some good tunes.
0: Yeah, what also I mean, sounds like this
1: happens f- like
0: Getting it like, right, the too. songs are in f- so
1: catchy and like in this movie, and then, and then like what did we say? Josie and the Pussycats and stuff like that. They did it the right way.
0: Yeah, same writer, oddly enough. Well, he wrote some of the songs. But right. what I think they do wrong in a lot of movies, and as much as I love Eddie and the Cruisers, I think the mistake is that that song does not sound like it's from the 60s. It sounds like it's from the time they made that movie. It sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. And that's a, it's a great song, but yes. it's a huge mistake if you want to be time accurate, whereas this song literally sounds like... Yeah, the, the, the production's a little more polished than it would be then, but I mean, this, the way they right. designed the song is clearly straight out of the 60s.
1: And you know, what's really nice about this is that it's like an ode to that time period and not a mockery of the time
0: period. Yes, and that, that's, a, that's a thing that they do a lot. Um there's a, a movie called The Suburbans where uh, it has um, oh shit uh, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt um, oh my god what, it, it, Will Ferrell and a couple other people I can't remember all of a sudden but it was about a one hit wonder band from 1982 and they tried to have a reunion in 1999 and the whole thing is like a mockumentary and it, it, it's spoofing New Wave whereas this is clearly a love letter and Tom yeah. Hanks must have had this on his mind for a while And I'm guessing he probably saw a lot of bands that he liked as a kid that never had another follow up. I mean, we have that too. We have a lot of nostalgia for bands that had one hit in the 90s. And um, I don't look back on them mockingly. I know a lot of people do. Like, oh, these guys only could get one hit. I was like, that's more than what you had, douchebag. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. And the way this band fell apart was completely different, though, than a lot of the stories you hear. It's usually, you know, the drugs undid the band or they just couldn't get a good follow-up album. Or, you know, there's know, there's some bands who are very successful, but they only had one charting hit. Um, I mean, D.Va only ever had one top 40. Grateful Dead is a one-hit wonder in a way. But this is a band that fell apart mm-hmm. before they could have another hit.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it always surprises me with uh, Jimmy that... You know, in the in the the follow up at the end is that he stayed with Playtone Records and that he had three hits or three gold records afterwards. And I'm like, that's a shock, because if you maybe that's part of the contract deal, though, because you remember he says you you broke your contract or whatever. That that's a bad thing. Maybe Jimmy was able to keep from yeah. them being sued by continuing in his own direction, but staying with that contract.
1: Maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting, and we'll I—never know. It, it's kind of—I would like to see a follow-up, honestly. Like, uh, like a 25 years later. Like, say they have a revival in the 80s. You know, they, they get like the way the monkeys did, and they try to bring them back together and see where their relationships have been, because that goes beyond where the movie was then.
1: Um. Anyway, <laughs> can we talk about the other movie now.
0: Yeah, um, it's just sad that most of these actors didn't really have huge careers. I really thought Tom R- Tom R- Scott was going to be huge, and it just didn't happen.
1: No, but they're all inc- they're all incredibly likable. Yeah, I mean, they, and, still, they all work still. You know, but why aren't they bigger? Why is Steve Zahn not a sensation?
0: Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Cause he's a genius.
0: Yes, but they did get a boost from this movie. There's no way that Ethan Embry wouldn't have would have got um like can hardly wait, or uh, Steve Zahn was in You've Got Mail two years later, and what Jonathan Sex, what Sage I don't whatever the guy that was married to Gwyneth Paltrow for a little bit, um, no, not Gwyneth Paltrow, Christina was, Applegate. No. Yes. Uh, he just did a lot of like pot boiler thrillers for a while and then disappeared. Um, but Tom Ever Scott's the one that I really thought was going to be the next him, Tom Hanks, and, and he was basically the Tom Hanks's like vision of him as a young man. I just I really thought that it would have gone well for him, but no. American World from Paris and Dead Man on Campus didn't do anything for him.
1: <laughs> oh nuts!
0: <laughs> okay, so per her request, we're moving on to our second film, The Idol Maker. Um, it was a hit at the time. But it has been completely forgotten. And I discovered it years ago when I found it at a Hollywood video closing sale. I got it for a buck, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll see if this is any good." And I was actually truly amazed. It's not the same vibe as that thing you do because it is more focused on Ray Sharkey's character, who is the idol maker. But it has a similar concept in that it's trying to develop teen idols. Uh,
1: yeah, I did think it was it was a lot different because. I mean, it focuses way more on like he, he is the Tom Hanks character, and it was a lot more about him than the people he, than the kids that he worked with. Um, I mean, there was stuff about them, but he was he was you know, I had a hard time with this movie because I didn't find him terribly likable. He was just so, so driven, and I mean, you could admire that, I guess, that he was so driven and so focused, that he was kind of not the nicest person.
0: No, but he reminded he, me is if you combined Jimmy with Tom Hanks' character, and...
1: Yeah, that, because, that would make sense.
0: And, but he was too insecure, he was too old, and he was losing his hair, so he could never be, in his mind, or he was told enough times, that he couldn't be a star. So, and he also yeah. just doesn't have the voice. There, there's a thing at the end where he does finally perform. Not to ruin it for you, but it's still a really good movie you should see anyway. He doesn't have the strongest voice. So it's kind of... He was never meant to be a star. He was meant to be an entertainer, which is different, where, where he goes in these these small bars or whatever, and it's a more intimate show. But he's not like... Not the way that he uh, developed, especially... I don't really like the first guy, and then there's a reason why you don't like him. Um, Tommy... He is a fucking douchebag who's full of himself and he does some really sleazy <laughs> yeah. shit yeah but in and yeah but the way that he develops and this is the weirdest fucking name Cesare. am i saying it right Cesare, uh-huh. Cesare. <laughs> but peter gallagher's character is in the halfway point and that's the, the the part that's the closest to that thing you do and i really enjoyed watching him take this guy who was too shy had an amazing voice but almost would crack under the pressure, and how he developed him into a star, into this mystery that all the girls are fascinated by with just a photo and then one performance and then, you know, long gaps. Where's Cesare? We're all talking about him. And the tension between him wanting to perform and his manager not letting him perform, and I thought that was astounding.
1: Well, I mean, yes, it was a very interesting. I think that's really when I uh, actually started. You know, enjoying the movie was when Peter Gallagher's character came into it. But also, the thing was, is like, okay, this was his first movie. He had one acting credit on TV before this. He was 18 years old, and strangely, it looks exactly the same as he does now. Yeah,
0: it's disturbing. Um,
1: Disturbing. Um, And he did all of his own singing.
0: Yeah, it's a... Even then. That performance he gives is, knocked down the walls, amazing. I could not believe how good it was.
1: I know, and you're just like, hot damn, he is Elvis. Like, you know, he... It was very impressive how how he... um, How he transformed. And the thing was, is I know that, you know, he was a young man, his character was like 17, and he was super frustrated because he had spent all this time and effort you know to become this person and then just to be like he was like locked up in a house and couldn't go anywhere and do anything and he wasn't wasn't supposed to perform and he wasn't supposed to go anywhere or do anything and he was and so he acted out instead of you know trusting his manager and appreciating all the effort and work that that he, what was his name, Vinny? I think Vinny was yeah. the manager's name. All the all the work that he put in to helping him become this new character that he basically, I mean, he one almost fucked it up for all of them by making up you know some bad decisions, and two, and then was still just you know disrespectful to him and impatient, and then you know, blew
0: up in his face. Yeah. And it's almost like it needed to happen though. Cesare was too young. had too much power, in a way, power um, to try to contain that so young without having the experience. And and the fact that you're right, he put all that work into it and now it's just going to waste. And I'm on his side. I think this carefully planned, calculated way of making a teen idol only goes so far. The way that he was doing it was insane. I mean, he was months and they were just, like, rehearsing I mean, and practicing over. And you could see even his, his, his best friend, Joy Pants' character, um, was like, mm-hmm. you got to let the kid loose. you got to do something more yeah. than this, you know?
1: I think that, the, yeah, it was like, it was smart what he was doing, but at the same time he was just such a control freak and it was too much for everyone. I mean, he almost pushed away his best friend who was, Yeah, Joey Pants, which was nice to see him young, not snarky, have a full head of hair and do something different. Um, And, you know, his potential love interest, which he basically did lose, he lost a lot because he was such a control freak and, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't let anybody in and wouldn't let anybody have any say in anything. So he he kinda of destroyed his own potential.
0: Yeah. I was, I I wonder if this movie would have benefited from one of those final, you know, follow-up coda things where you knew what happened to Chesare later or Tommy. And um, you basically only see what happens to Vinny is that he finally, you know, lets go and uh, becomes a performer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he's not looking for the money and the stardom. And I'm just curious what happened to Chez In my head, that he just went on to become a really great teen idol, whereas Tommy you just ended up becoming like a fucking bum who had that one moment in time. You know, he's more like the kind of. You remember, I I mean, like back in the day, like in Vegas, whatever, where the mob owned Vegas, whatever, and they would just own him as a musician. like, you come perform at us at a casino or whatever, we'll pay you, but you know, you just got to stay here. Yeah. You can't go perform. You don't know, I mean, have hit albums. That kind of thing.
1: I imagine that he destructed you know, young because yeah. of
0: his poor decision. Oh, the, the scene when he's molesting the girl in the car and I'm like, man, the, I know that kind of world so where where if a mob found out about that, they gave him cement shoes later. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But, um, the, the biggest thing about this though is the absolutely amazing performance by Peter Gallagher. I mean, just out the gate. This is his really his first movie.
1: Wow. According to IMDb, he had like one episode of a TV show before this.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I just feel like. Before this movie? Well, the thing is, I feel like we didn't hear about him for another 10 years. So I wonder what happened in that decade. Was he doing Broadway? Is he a Broadway star? Is that who he is? Or is he a musician? Know. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: he has a lot of Broadway credits, but I can't speak to any of this because this movie came out the year I was born.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. So, I meant after that. Like I through don't know. The 80s. Like, I'm just curious. But um, I think the only time I've ever seen him sing other than this was a very small part in the Hudsucker proxy, which you probably don't even remember him being. Oh,
1: in well, he he definitely has, you know, done many shows on Broadway, um, including but not limited to um, Guys and Dolls, I'm pretty sure. But um, he actually has quite a lot of uh, singing credits. Oh, okay. Um, of course uh something called Summer Lovers from 1982 a um, cartoon in 2002 presenter on the Tony Awards where he sang like eight songs um have you seen this new show uh with with Jane Levy the Zoe's extraordinary playlist
0: I've heard of it is he on that
1: He's on it and he's Phenomenal. Okay,
0: I gotta see this. You know,
1: phenomenal. What?
0: To to bring it back to our first movie, though, uh, one of my coworkers said yeah. Adam Schlesinger wrote for my crazy ex girlfriend, and that it's amazing, and I gotta watch it. So, uh,
1: yeah, I think it's time to give it another try. Like, I think I was too distracted the first time I tried it, and uh-huh. I didn't get into it. But, um, uh, you know, I've never uh, shied away from a musical movie, TV show, video. Uh, montage on <laughs> uh, any show ever. I've seen like every video clip of uh carpool karaoke. I mean, whatever. I'll watch it. So, <laughs> Um, i'll give it another try but i would definitely the concept of is always extraordinary playlist is a little bit mm, weird um but the performances really it 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 pays off like it's really worth it and her and um peter gallagher actually and mary steenburgen play her parents really they're just amazing does she sing amazing so yeah
0: i didn't know mary steenburgen could sing wow
1: haven't you haven't you ever seen um, The Last Man on Earth?
0: No. I've seen the first oh my episode God. Nice.
1: So, she, so she's so she was on that show and like okay, so her character was drunk half the time, but that's neither here nor there. The other half of the time she would play the accordion and sing. <laughs> Through the whole entire series. So, yeah, I've heard her sing a bunch, actually. Okay, She's that's also pretty cool. a songwriter. Really? She was nominated for an Oscar uh, uh, Oscar this last year for a song that she wrote.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so,
1: yeah... There's so, a lot more to people
0: than you think. No kidding. Uh, yep. there's there's a bad side to Ray Sharkey. I won't go into it, but look him up on Wikipedia. This was the peak of his career. <laughs> Sadly, he started and stopped pretty quickly because He
1: died really young, that he, I noticed.
0: Yeah, he a uh, horrible drug addict, very uh Aww. difficult to work with. Um he had a career revival when he was in the first season of Wise Guy, which I believe he won an Emmy for. And then he started getting hmm. more work after that, but he got infected with HIV, knew it, denied it, and mm. continued to sleep with people and infected them. So he Ew, he can just burn in hell for all I'm concerned. That's
1: that's disappointing life choices, man. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah.
0: But um, the both movies. Uh, well, no, no. like I said, it's expensive to find the director's cut of you, that thing you do, but I think it's worth getting. And Idolmaker was on YouTube for free, but it was real. We had to crank it up. Uh, <laughs> so there's a Shout Factory Blu-ray. Otherwise, the cracker, I, Blue
1: Ridge, I, The sound wasn't great, but the video quality was pretty
0: good. Yeah, that's weird, right? I don't know what that was a boot. Yeah, I
1: don't know.
0: All right, so that is it for this episode. The next one will be Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Clueless, and thank you very much for listening to this episode. We are under the Video Night banner, and Mindy, thank you very much for this episode.
1: Oh, I just want – can I say one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. you're good is that i wanted to say that they are doing um there is a special tomorrow that they're like a tribute that they're doing tomorrow the cast of that thing you do is doing a tribute to adam I'm trying to find the details. They will be reuniting tomorrow to do a live viewing party of the movie. Um, So I don't know exactly where that's going to be located, but, I mean, if you got any brains in your head, you can Google it.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, the dumb people just turned it off. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Come
1: on, fools. I'm sure they're going to record it and you can watch it later.
0: Uh, yeah, well, is there anything anymore that's recorded that is lost to time? It's not like the way it was when we were kids. Because back then. Yeah, you know... not really. Holy crap, I forgot to plug the computer in. I'm about to lose the episode. Shit. Okay, plug back in. Saved. Oh, fuck. I almost lost an entire episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woo. Hmm.
1: What
0: just happened? I didn't plug the computer in when I when I set this all up, and I forgot everything's plugged into the computer, you know, and the microphone, the the speaker, the recording, and everything, and uh, it just told uh-huh. me the battery is about to die. And That gives me, with this old ass computer, like a minute. So I plugged it in because if it shuts down, it doesn't save oh. anything. So we're good, kids. We're oh, good.
1: Oh, Shitters. Okay, good. Well, that I guess we had a very exciting ending right
0: then. We did, because it was depressing before that. All right, everybody, uh, have a good night, and Mindy. Thank you again. Okay, bye. (laughs) We have no slogans for this show. We gotta come up with something funny.